Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Irvindale. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Christ Jesus. Join Pastor Mike as he teaches through the Gospel of Luke. As we move to verses 8 through 10, Luke tells us that Jesus knew what the Pharisees were thinking. I, I don't know exactly how to interpret that. I mean, obviously, Son of God, God in flesh. Uh, he would have the power to be able to read someone's mind. That's certainly true. But then again, the perfect man who uh, observes people's behavior, he knew all about them and what they're about, so maybe he's just reading their body language. I'm not quite sure. All, the, all I know is that he understood what they were really thinking inside. And what he came to know was this, that these religious leaders of Judaism had not come to the synagogue that day to worship. They weren't there to worship. And they weren't there that day to help anyone find an answer to their need. Nor were they there that day to break down the scriptures and help Uh, the people who weren't as knowledgeable to understand God's word. No, they were there with the singular purpose of finding some fault with Jesus, some crack in his armor, some place where he's not quite meeting the law so that they could use that thing against him and make accusation against him. And on this particular day, they're looking for some crack in the armor as it relates to the Sabbath law. How is Jesus breaking the Sabbath law? And they interpreted that doing a healing on the Sabbath would equal work. And so that from their mind would be a violation of the Sabbath law. And so that's where the religious leaders are. What happens next in this passage uh, causes me to ask what I think is a very important question. We know that Jesus did perform a miracle. We just read about it. But the question is this. The miracle that Jesus performed, was was it for the benefit of the man with the withered hand? Was that the primary reason? He just felt compassion for this man whose hand was all messed up. And so he decided, I'm going to do something for this poor man just to make him whole. Was that his primary intent? Or was it to give irrefutable evidence of his messiahship to these religious but unbelieving leaders? Which was it? Well, it's both. It's both. In fact, we could answer yes to both of those questions, but we would have to add one more thing that wasn't in the text, and I'll start there. What is the reason that Jesus uh, performed this miracle? Well, first and foremost, the miracle was performed for the benefit of the glory of God the Father. We, We need to understand first and foremost that everything Jesus said and everything Jesus did was always about bringing glory to the Father. That was what his motivation was. That's where his heart was. That's what he was doing. Now, one of the ways that we find uh, Jesus bringing glory to the Father is by showing the people what the kingdom of God actually looked like. And so if you remember a few weeks back as we were looking at Jesus as he was in the synagogue in Nazareth, 
And uh, he was preaching and telling the people there what it would look like if the full rule and reign of God was active on earth. And he said that if the full rule and reign of God's kingdom is in play, then the poor are going to receive the riches of the gospel. The brokenhearted are going to be healed. The captives will be delivered. The blind will receive sight and the oppressed are set free. That's what God's kingdom looks like when it's in full play wherever it may be. And as we think about those outcomes of the kingdom of God being fully engaged, we need to ask ourselves, well, why is such a difference between what God's kingdom would be like and what our world is like today? And I want to answer that. I want you to understand that the existence today of poverty of brokenness, of captivity, of blindness, of, of oppression is due to the first man, Adam, as he abdicated his God-given dominion over the world to Satan. That's what happened in the garden. In his fall, he abdicated what God had given him as a dominion over the whole world. He abdicated it to Satan. Adam's fall in sin resulted in Satan establishing an upside-down kingdom in the world. And through sin, he has subjugated humanity and, in fact, all of creation to himself. In no small way, part of Jesus' work uh, 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 with the gospel is reestablishing God's right-side-up kingdom so that creation and especially redeemed humanity can flourish in physical, mental, and spiritual health as God originally designed. And that leads me then to truth point number two, and I would encourage you to get this one. That when Jesus restored this man's withered hand, it was not just a a medical miracle. It was a medical miracle, but that wasn't its primary deal. No, it was an occurrence of the kingdom of God breaking through the kingdom of Satan, bringing its restorative power to a man trapped by the curse of sin and death. God's kingdom breaking in to this world that otherwise has turned against him. As such, then, this miracle was done with the intent of giving those who sat atop the religious establishment of Judaism irrefutable evidence that God's Messiah, the king of his kingdom, was on the scene. The only way to appreciate this, I think, is to really begin to see it in our mind's eye. And so I want to try to help us do that. I want you to picture a room that is not the size of this room, probably about the size of this section here where people are seated, and, and, and that would have been about the size of the room. And it's crowded. There's hardly a seat available. People are standing uh, around. I want you to picture the Pharisees. They're sitting right down on the front row because that was the custom. Uh, if you were of, of high stature in the religious system of Judaism, you always got the first seat at the table. You always got the front seat at the gathering. So there they are in their highly uh, uh, sought after and uh, elevated position. And Jesus is kind of positioned like I am. He's not standing behind a, a lectern. He's probably sitting down. But it, the, the relationship is just like this. He's 
teaching and they're taking it in. And Jesus sees that man with a withered hand. And he asks him to get up and to come down and to stand like right here. Right, right between him and the Pharisees. And, and, and we find that Jesus intentionally places this man just a foot or two feet or three feet from their sight. No possible way that they could miss what is about to happen. And as that man stood there with his hand withered, right, whatever that means, all crippled, can't use it. Everybody knows that everybody can see it. And the Pharisees definitely can see it because he's right up in their face. Jesus then asks a simple question. I don't think he had any attitude. I don't think that he was doing anything uh, out of the ordinary. He just asked them a simple question. He said, and I I know he looked right down at, you're all not Pharisees, but looked right down at him and said, is it acceptable to God's law? I'm paraphrasing. Is it acceptable to God's law to do good or evil on the Sabbath? Is it acceptable to God's law to save a life or to destroy it? Now, why is he asking this question? Because probably the week prior, he's out in the wheat field and they're coming along telling him, we're the authorities, we know what the Sabbath law is all about and we're judging you and saying that walking through this wheat field and breaking off the pieces off the head of of the wheat stalks and rubbing them in your hands and eating, that's against the Sabbath, you're breaking the Sabbath. So... Jesus looks at them now in this other occasion and says, tell me if, if, if it would be wrong to do good for this man or should evil be done? Should we enhance his life or should we destroy it? You know, that question he asked was a question they dare not answer. And they didn't. If they would have said, well, it's acceptable to do good, then they would have no way to accuse Jesus. In fact, they would have to start following him. And that wasn't their intention. If they say, well, bad, well, they would then be answering an ob- obviously in a wrong way in front of a crowd of people, and they would come off looking like the bad guys. But I want you to consider this. I want you to consider that maybe the question Jesus asked was never intended to actually be answered by them physically. Perhaps the question wasn't meant to be answered. Perhaps it was meant to shock them into reality. To shock them into thinking about the incongruity of their intentions in light of their position as representatives of God. Here they are hiding behind the the external and their intent is to try to do away with Jesus. These guys, though, are representatives of God. Perhaps the question is asked to cause them a moment of reflection. Luke says that after he asked the question, he paused. He paused and he looked at them intently. He looked at them. You ever had somebody do that in a, Real tense situation. They just stop and look. It's a very powerful thing to do. You just look them right in the eye. Why did he do that? I would propose that he's doing it to give them time to think. He's asked a very provocative question. He's giving them time to think. He's giving them also time to prepare for, the, for an experience of the reality of the Messiah firsthand. 
And after asking the question and after giving the moments of silence and looking them right in the eye, he now turns his attention back to the man who's still standing there, just a foot or two or three from the religious leaders of Israel. And he says, stretch out your hand. Stretch out your hand. I want you to notice Jesus does not touch the man. I want you to notice that Jesus didn't even speak the words of healing. He only asked the man to stretch out his hand. And right there in front of the Pharisees, what is utterly impossible for man to do transpired right before their eyes. They saw a man whose hand was obviously messed up and unusable. They saw this lifeless, worthless hand restored to life, health, and strength. Try to picture that if you can. Try to picture one of those really verifiable physical things that everyone can see. And imagine that crumpled up little hand, all of a sudden it begins to swell up to kind of look like the other one turns pinkish and all of a sudden the joints are working and his hand is completely whole. And you watch it happen. Who, who but God could do that? Indeed, who but God could do that? This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission. On Mission.